0: Now, all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And today we're going to be talking about education, and we're going to be talking to Brenda Berg, who's been on our program a number of times. She's the president and CEO of Best NC, which is an advocacy organization, which was formed by a number of business and civic leaders across the state of North Carolina. It's a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition of business leaders. Who are committed to improving North Carolina's public education system through policy and advocacy. And they have uh, just done a marvelous job there. And the, how long has this been going on, Brent? I forgot now. Four about or five, five years. Five years, mm-hmm. yeah. And they said she couldn't keep a job. So, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, but there are a number of things that uh, they're working on and concerned with. And uh, I, the thing that I've always enjoyed about them is they always uh, celebrate uh the uh, the achievements and yet they also at the same time look ahead and say okay what else can we do you know once we get this particular step in our journey done then there's another step down the road and so uh, brenda let's just sort of uh, since you were on the program last time let's let's talk about what you've been doing uh, and what the organization's been doing during that interim
1: Well, we've been very busy, and the timing's great, because just this week, we launched a statewide initiative called uh, Teach NC to help recruit teachers into the profession. We have a lot of critical vacancies across the state, Um, and the timing for this makes perfect sense because we've spent the last couple of years trying to help uplift the experience of being a teacher, helping create better pathways for principals, for school leadership, for teacher leadership opportunities, so retention is, is equally important to fill the vacancies, having a, an initiative where we can really lift up the teaching profession and provide uh, very clear pathways into the profession is, is exciting, so teachnc.org launched just this week.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, North Carolina, as we've uh, talked about numerous times on this program, is an interesting state in the sense that we have the very fast-growing areas like Raleigh-Durham and Greensboro and Charlotte, Greenville, Wilmington, Nashville, and then we have some eighty counties uh, thereabout that are actually either uh, losing population or standing pat, and some of those counties are very small, so it's very difficult for them to have a um, a great school system. We have one county that has, I think, less than five thousand people in it. That's right. And so my church has five thousand members <laughs> in Raleigh. So uh, so. Uh, I would guess that one of the big challenges you have is finding school teachers in particular fields for those school systems that are small and in isolated areas.
1: That's right, rural areas, urban schools, uh, Title I schools, but specifically STEM and special education statewide. Uh, About 50% of our high school students actually don't have a fully licensed math teacher, so they're being taught by a persistent substitute often happens in these rural communities a a recent example we've been looking at Robison county and they report having i want to say 190 positions that they frankly don't need they have extra pe teachers for example but they have over 100 positions that are vacant so they have enough teachers but they don't have enough of the right teachers and i think that's a great example of what's really happening statewide is we have a lot of people who want to teach but we need to do something different to get them into those hard to staff schools and subjects
0: well, one of the things that, uh, uh, particularly in the STEM area, of course, most of the uh, graduates of colleges that are in the STEM courses, the science courses, the math courses, the technology courses and such, uh, they look at uh, job opportunities and they can make more money and in many cases satisfy their professional desires better in the public sector than in teaching.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So that's a problem. Yeah, that's okay, right. so here's, here's something I've always wanted to ask. In colleges, uh, in universities, a lot of them use ad hoc professors, adjunct, I'm sorry, ad hoc. But I guess they're also <laughs> ad hoc, but adjunct professors to come in. And uh, one, they're they're taught by the course, but they fill in gaps where the university or college may have an opening. Have have we ever had any effort to do the same in? Uh, communities that uh, are looking for math teachers where you bring in a teacher to teach one course a day or two courses a day?
1: We do, and I think our best example of that is you can be a CTE course teacher in your field of expertise, so it could be um, economics or um, uh, welding or something that's specific to your field. Um, There's been a conversation about having community college math teachers, for example, come into high schools. The fact of the matter is our community college Teachers are not taught very well, or not paid very well either, and so they're having vacancy issues as well. I think for for me, the biggest concern is is we um, there is the the knowledge that you need to be a teacher, but there's also the skill to be a teacher. If if it were that easy, we would we would have 100% of our third graders reading by the end of third grade. But it's 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 a very difficult profession, and so pairing up people who really do understand math with the talent to actually run a classroom to have that multitasking skill and understand um, you know, discipline and pl- course planning. It, it's really not as easy as just taking somebody who knows how to add and put them in the classroom. So it's a, it has to be the right balance between finding people who have the skill within their field, but also the talent as a teacher.
0: That's an interesting uh, observation. So of those two, of those two, mm-hmm. of knowledge of the, of the particular field and the skills of teaching, which one do you think is more important?
1: you're going to put me on the spot here. I think it de- the answer would say it depends. It would be sort of like asking me about class size. It depends on the teacher. It depends on the subject taught. But um, obviously, if you're talking about physics, you really have to understand physics to get students to be excited about it. There are um, great examples of elementary school teachers who maybe don't know the, the history content that they're teaching, but they're just really inspiring teachers. So it really depends on the level taught.
0: Well, I've talked to a number of uh, of, uh Got uh, uh, admissions directors at various and sundry colleges and universities through the state. I participated in a seminar on that. And almost all of them said the same thing about school systems, which I thought was interesting. And they said that the very top students, there's very little difference from a very, uh, a school system that may be challenged and a school system that has an extracurriculum. The, the top students always end up finding a way uh, to guide their course. Uh, do you find that?
1: Well, there are. There's um, I hear I hear both. I actually have had really important conversations with students who have been in uh, low performing schools but the top of their class and really felt like they weren't as ready for college as they had been promised that they were. So we do know that there's um, a great inflation aspect of of lowering the bar in certain certain places. And so if you come into, say, at Chapel Hill, and you've been always told that you're number one in your class, but you really haven't had the same exposure that a student at, say, a, a magnet school in, in Wake County had. Um, it's, it's You're not going to be as ready. What, what I think those students do have that probably excels beyond their peers is grit. Right. Yep. These, are, these are kids who have grit and tenacity, and they, they've achieved it kind of against all yep. odds. So that can even the playing field.
0: Well, they were all universal in the same comment that after you got by the very top students, right. there was a decisive difference between the preparation and the better, so-called better high schools, the more complete high schools, and the smaller high schools. But they said the very tip-top, uh, maybe the top five or six students, uh, they all seem to find a way, and you use the term grit, I think that's the difference, mm-hmm. they, they find a way. So um, I came from a very small high school, and then we've gone through this period of time where uh, either through necessity or through, uh, I think, actual uh, thinking that it was the best way to go, uh, we have gone from a a situation where we had a lot of small high schools to very large high schools now okay so i'm going to put you on the spot again is there a difference between the education that you get in a very small high school with maybe 12 14 teachers maybe 18 20 and a very large high school where you have a lot of offerings but and lots more teachers and lots more students
1: there was a big push, maybe about a decade ago, particularly from the Gates Foundation, to make small high schools. There was a belief that smaller high schools would be better for students, and uh, several, You know, of course it's it takes time to see if, whether or not that really works, but after about five or so years they determined that it wasn't really a universal truism that small schools were better. Um, what what I th- I think what we're finding the balance is as schools within schools, if you have Various opportunities within a school where you're really getting um, opportunities for technical classes, CTE classes, AP classes, all within one school. Um, students have more opportunities, but still keeping some sort of feeling of, of of cohortness within the school. So I think what we're seeing is is a balance. Like here, here again in Wake County, they're building these giant high schools. Fuquay um, just opened up with a I think it's 97 million dollar campus. Um, and it really is almost like a community instead of a school, the way it's designed.
0: Well, I was driving through uh, the other the upper portion of South Carolina last weekend, and interestingly enough, uh, they are putting campuses outside of several large communities or, or, or small communities like Sheraw, South Carolina, where they have not only the elementary school on the same campus, but the middle school and the high school is all on the same campus. That's right. Um, Now, I guess that's a a population distribution thing more than it is anything else. But uh, is there a movement to go back to that where you have the experience of starting with roughly the same students that you finish with?
1: There is a, a movement. I think we're practical. But as you noted, the smaller school districts in North Carolina aren't building new construction. And the um, larger districts' property values are too expensive to buy a large piece of property to put schools together. So I think when practical, like um, Jones County, it just opened a brand new, really impressive facility where they're combining multiple grade levels on the same campus. So when the opportunities opportunities exist, the idea of bringing students all the way through is definitely a popular one.
0: Now we, for years, have had a system where you're in the first grade for a year, you're in the second grade for a year. <laughs> what about the students at halfway... Uh, Belonging the second grade when they're in the first grade.
1: Yeah, this mo- this the model that we're we're working under right now is it's an industrial model, right? It is yeah, one size fits all. Every first grader should be the same. Every second grader should be the same. And frankly, we treat teachers the same way. Yeah. We need to move away from that point blank. We need for students that are, are able to move on faster to be able to move on faster in one subject and maybe move slower in another subject. So, the idea of students moving through at a competency based level and, and a personalized level, I think that's the next generation of education. I think it can happen here in North Carolina.
0: We're a long way from that, though. Aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. That, that, that's a revolutionary change yeah. in the way that you hire teachers and classrooms are built and so forth. Our guest is Brenda Berg, who's president and CEO of Best North Carolina, an advocacy group for education, and we'll be back with more right after these messages. Thank you for keeping our country free. I'm happy you looked out for our country. It seems we are
1: all more aware of what service to our country really means. Does anyone know what a veteran is? You must be brave to go in the army. Now it is possible to say thank you directly to America's veterans. Just log on to ThankYouVeterans.org, select an e-card, and send a personal message of thanks. Please know that you will be in my prayers all I wanted to do something to let them know how I feel.
0: I'm glad to say I'm an American because of you.
1: There are 26 million veterans living in America, from World War II to Afghanistan and Iraq. Let a veteran or someone in the military know you appreciate their service. Visit thankyouveterans.org, a public service of paralyzed veterans of America. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis.
0: We're back with Brenda Berg, who's the president and CEO of Best NC, a uh, nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition of business leaders who have uh, taken as their task to uh, serve as an advocate for uh, improving the public education system uh, in north carolina and they do a pile of research and they have uh, advocated for different programs and this week they just launched teach nc which is a a, a i guess has its mission to find teachers that's right teacher. so now how are you going about that
1: well so it's a really a 3 prong approach first first we know that a lot of people want to be teachers and they just don't know how to get there um, there there are two two barriers one is the perception of teaching is really outdated. So, somebody thinks in their head, I want to be a teacher, and they start talking to folks and they say, Oh, well, you know, those who can do, those who can't teach, right? That's sort of old that old tagline so part of this campaign is really to remind people that the teaching profession is exactly what gen wires and millennials want it's challenging and interesting and every day is a different opportunity so uplifting the profession to where it belongs in terms of of a a viable profession and then the second barrier that we found is when you when you are interested in being a teacher no one knows where to go so creating a website which is teachnc.org people can sign up they can register they can Get, they can find out licensure information, they can find every teacher prep program in the state, scholarships to get into those programs, and by this time next year, every school district will also have its own landing page, so they can, and every school district and charter school will be able to really make their case for why they're the best place to be a teacher. So it's, a, it's really lifting up the whole kind of pipeline where you, you mentioned other, other professions are recruiting into their, their fields, why would we not do the same thing for teachers?
0: I grew up in a time period, uh, this will show my age, where Appalachian State was Appalachian State Teachers College. East Carolina was East Carolina Teachers College. They have both evolved into full universities. Uh, Have they totally forgotten their roots, or are they still uh, uh, turning out more teachers than, say, other uh, of the uh, public institutions in North Carolina? Or have they just gotten trapped into this thing that uh, teaching is just sort of a sideline?
1: Well, the schools of education in North Carolina are very strong. They are; they are still, whether the publics or privates, they're still producing more than half of our teaching population for the state. Um,
0: well, not wait a minute. They're only te- half now. Why? Why wouldn't it be higher percentage than that? Because. These are Native people.
1: That's right. You would think so. Well, there's about, um, I want to say about 20% that are coming in from out of state. There are other states that just have a surplus. And, and, and of course, who wouldn't want to live in North Carolina? So we're recruiting from out of state. Um, And then I would say about 30% are coming lateral entry. So those mid-career, you know, career changers that are coming into the profession. So it doesn't mean that they're not somehow getting into the schools of education or getting some sort of lateral entry, training through our schools of education, but that traditional pathway is producing a little bit more than half of the population. And and could they produce more? Yes, and I think that's, that's a big part of Teach NC, is removing those barriers to entry so students can get into those pathways. If they didn't come in as an 18 year old signing up and saying they wanted to be a teacher, but if they're sitting in a chemistry class as a sophomore in college and saying, Maybe I don't want to be in a lab. Maybe I want to teach chemistry. How do we get the schools of education to grab those students and pull them into the profession as well?
0: So um, let me ask this. So kids go to college and they, they, they decide they're going to change the world and, and, uh, and be idealistic. And, and as we all did, I think, when we were in college, we all thought we were going to change the world and in many cases uh, there we have made contributions but uh, so a, a, a young lady or a young man enters the teaching profession and then at what point in time do they leave the teaching profession and we start losing some of our better and younger and brighter minds
1: well the the research and is five, it, well one. exactly I, I, the, the why is the important part I think there are there there are you lose a, a good percentage of teachers or a bad percentage of teachers the first five years. Is, it's not as bad as people thought it was a few years ago. The research is showing it's about 25, 30% of students, of teachers are leaving by the end of the fifth year. And the reasons that we are hearing are, are pretty simple and they're the same reasons that people leave other professions. They're leaving because they don't have a great principal and they 're leaving because they don 't have a career path. You become a great teacher, and just like any of us, you want to do more of it. You want to have a greater impact, a bigger impact, and you don 't want to have to leave the classroom to do it so those are the two kind of main early and mid career reasons people are leaving, and those are the two of the big issues that best and c is working on great school leaders and career opportunities for teachers. Um, the other reason they 're leaving is there's this sort of point around twenty five years where the pension system is really pushing you out of the system. It it's it actually for for a period of time you're actually losing money every day you're teaching and there's this incentive to leave the profession and now you're you know mid to late 40s or early 50s and you can go on and have another career while while getting your benefits. So it's a it's a it's a good reason.
0: That's to, always bothered me a little bit because I think the pension was set up to as a career incentive, but the truth of the matter is uh, it was pushing people out too early.
1: That's right.
0: Uh, so uh, is there any movement to change that? I, we can't change the promises we've made to those who have, are in the system, I don't think. I,
1: Absolutely not. And the ben- the benefits are important. I, don't get me wrong. The, and the benefits that people have been promised are important. There are some interesting ideas, though, about how can we get uh, a, a teacher who would otherwise leave the profession for this reason to come back in. So there's legislation this year. Again, it's just um, a pilot to see how this will work, but how could we get a teacher who has left who's a really capable uh, math teacher, have them come into a hard to staff school, keeping their pension, but then also coming in at the lower end of the pay scale. So combined, they would be making more than if they had just stayed in the profession. So how can we incentivize some of our retirees to come back into the profession? I think the longer term conversation is how do we get some of those great teachers to just stay in the first place
0: well I think the whole pension plan has uh, uh, had as its uh, model uh, good good motives but uh, not only for teachers but other government officials are under the same plan and so we're losing a lot of key people in a lot of different fields uh, and then even those who stay in earn a pension that is probably beyond what was intended if they say in longer
1: well and our, our beginning teachers i don't think understand the value of it either so they're not when they're considering the profession even though it's costing the state a significant amount of money the the teachers aren't valuing it when they're considering it as a profession so how do we at least demonstrate to them that yes starting pay is $35,000 or in Wake County well over $40,000 but your benefits package is worth so much more how do we communicate that Um, and if they're not interested in that how do we give them other benefits that they are more interested in that will pull them into the profession
0: and of course there's some uh, additional advantages of teaching you get a nice break in the summer
1: it's true and
0: that's uh, something that uh, most of us in the Private uh, uh, field, don't uh, we're not able to take off too much. Although Rick uh, Martinez is producing <laughs> our program, uh, you know he may be an exception to that.
1: Well, everyone needs to take a break. Our our teachers in North Carolina, I think it's an interesting number. They work an average of 53 hours a week and they work 10 months a year, you multiply that out, and it's really close to the 2,080 hours that any full-time person works. They just do it in 10 months. months, On one hand, I want to be respectful of teachers who really are working a full year and getting the full year's salary, but you're right. It is a great benefit, especially I know a lot of of women and men who are grateful for that time in the summer or on on the breaks to spend the time with their kids. So it is a lifestyle choice as well.
0: You mentioned uh, the importance of principals. I know uh, this organization, your organization, Best NC, has been uh, focusing a lot on the role of the principal of the high school. And typically, most of the high schools and grammar schools, for that matter, that are doing well usually have an outstanding principal.
1: I would say always have an outstanding principal, okay. so yeah, you, there's so many ideas of small schools and um, different courses and, and technology and all of these different things, but th- the fact of the matter is nothing great happens without a great principal. Um, principals lead through innovation, principals attract great teachers, principals keep great teachers, um, and so we are mildly obsessed with principals at best and C. And, Partially because we you know we're business people, right? So we understand the value of a, of a highly skilled executive. Um, and it doesn't take a whole lot of work to see when when teachers are leaving the profession that that's their number one reason for leaving. So we're um, we're working on a project right now to reimagine how candidates get pulled into the profession to become principals. So it's no longer self-selected, um, and North Carolina is really on the path to have having the most innovative principal recruitment and preparation program in the country.
0: One of the, the pr- things we've noticed in uh, in the private sector is that sometimes the best salesperson does not make a good sales manager. There are different skills That's involved. Right so how do you determine who will make a great principal because sometimes maybe that same principal who's outstanding there might not have been one of the better teachers
1: well so the the two factors i i look for 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 principal candidates but also for teacher leaders is they do have to have been a great teacher Particularly in the way we structure our schools now, because the principal is often the instructional leader. They're the ones who are coaching the teachers to be great teachers. So they really do have to have been a great teacher. And they have to have great interpersonal skills. So it, it, it really is important to have a principal who can can do both. Um, like any organization, an executive can, quote, hire out some of the things where they're, they're weakest. Maybe they're not great at operations or uh, maybe they want somebody else to, to be the cheerleader to the community. But 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 those two factors of being really great at hiring people and supporting adults, but also being a great teacher, I think are, are fundamentally important and a great principal. What's
0: the average age of a principal in North Carolina? Do you happen to know that?
1: I happen to know very little about I mean, The data are very limited on principals. No. We actually don't even have a turnover rate for principals in North Carolina. We know we have about uh, 2,700 principals. It's It's not a... a a number that's so big that we couldn't figure these things out but there really are not any good data about principals right now
0: that's interesting we've got data on everything else we
1: do we do we do know about you know demographics it's there are more um men and more minorities than in the teaching pool so it's a it's a slightly different um look than the teaching profession um but other than that no we don't know a whole lot about age and years of experience
0: we were talking about the industrial model and of course that that, uh, right now has always been k through 12 and uh but i'm hearing of more and more seniors particularly that have been ambitious and have finished most of their work and are basically finished with high school by mid-year of their senior year some are going on to college uh has there been any thought to saying this this part of the model is also outdated where you know there has to be 12 years of of uh, secondary education.
1: Yeah, I think there's uh, that is probably the end of the spectrum where personalized that competency-based learning is actually happening. We're we're seeing a blending between high school and early colleges and community colleges and universities where more students who are in even even 10th or 11th grade are starting to take college courses. Um I think North Carolina's doing a really good job in this this space um and i give a lot of credit to the leaders in the institutions whether it's the community college system or um the the k-12 system that we haven't had a lot of the kind of the turf um kind of battling between who gets which kids um, and really focusing on the students and making sure that they have those opportunities i think north carolina is really on the the front end of that we'll probably have to get to a pl- point where we make that a little bit more seamless but I think that the students are leading us in this, in this one.
0: We have had uh, people, guests on this program from numerous fields who keep talking about broadband access across the state of North Carolina. North Carolina is probably a little ahead of most states as far as broadband, but then we have pockets of areas that are without it. Uh, this is an important opportunity for students in the underprivileged areas to have access That's to right. more uh, educational matters
1: yeah, North Carolina, I believe we're the very first state in the nation that has internet connectivity in every classroom in the, in the school in the in the state. That's incredible. And yet, because we are such a rural state, we have so many kids who are leaving the school building at the end of the day and they're going home and they don't have access at home. So it's hard to do homework. Um, so we're, that push for broadband access, I think, is really important. And then we're hearing of, of the parents benefiting from it, right? You're applying for jobs or, or working an online job. Um, getting access into the home, I think, is, is an important part of, of, frankly, education, but also the workforce.
0: Now, there's some uh, legislation that's going to push this a little bit forward. Uh, is it enough, or do we need to push this faster?
1: I'm happy with the, the legislation that's moving through right now. I think we have the right coalition of people pushing um, pushing hard for broadband. It has to be balanced with industry needs. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where they can go with it.
0: So you're getting ready to leave uh, this program here in a few minutes. So what's at the very top of your list right now? What, what are you most concerned about today?
1: Well, today I'm still obsessed with teachnc.org because we're just launching it this week, and it is the beginning of the school year. There are a lot of vacancies, so the more I can help promote what a great profession that we have, and, and pulling potential candidates into the profession, this is this is my this is where I'm leaving today, and this is what I'll be working on for the for the next foreseeable future.
0: And your website address, if people would like to know more about Best NC, is?
1: BestNC.org. You can also find lots of information data at NCEDFacts.org.
0: Brenda Burke, thank you so much for being with us. Our program this week has been produced by Rick Martinez, and we will have another interesting guest, I'm promised, again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast, you can go to Uh, carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast or the segments you might have missed. next week, have a nice week.
1: Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Cheryl. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers.